Hello and welcome to episode 92 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to encourage you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Hills, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I am once again joined by Jan Caval, entrepreneur, speaker, and author of her book, Scale for Success. Welcome back to the show, Jan. Thank you for joining me again. It's lovely to be back with you, Tammy. Amazing. So in the last episode, listeners, Jan and I talked all about planning to scale in your business, no matter what stage you're at. There was loads of good advice in there so make sure you rack that episode up next if you missed it but today Jan we're talking about you and your business so let's take it back to the beginning because you have so many strings to your bow now but what was it that first inspired you to become an entrepreneur? I guess if you go back very very beginning it was a real dislike of being employed and I started in essence, being self-employed and occasionally starting small businesses with somebody else, all very short-lived, but just as a method to avoid getting jobs. But going to some grotty's office and being put in a typing pool or something just didn't have too much appeal, you know, and doing different things and working for myself and learning along, you know, it just sounded a lot more interesting. So, so that was what initially was behind it, not that I knew the word entrepreneur or you know, ask for scale, and certainly not. But, uh, you know, I, it was it was fun. You know, it was loads of fun. And the experiences I had were mostly sales-orientated. And so, you know, as far as I could see, this malarkey of having a business was about selling something, put, you know, that you put a bit extra money on and living on the profit. And, you know, which was, I mean, it is what businesses run. And it was a wonderful introduction in many ways because it taught you quickly to listen to feedback of clients. You know, whatever you were selling, it didn't make much odds, but, you know, then would spit, you know, yes, I love it, or, you know, you're a piece of rubbish, why are you come into my office at me? And, you know, you learn to understand what they were looking for and, and why people buy things and all those business basics and add up straight on a calculator. And, you know, oh, great business training, <laughs> you know, even if it wasn't very official. But it was later on, um, you know, I, I did the whole thing, getting married, having children and what have you. And the marriage didn't work out, so I was on my own with two very young children. And I thought, you know, I really don't want to go out to work. Partly, let's be honest, it's not my thing, but I didn't want to leave the kids. I really didn't. I wanted to, you know, I'd, I'd wanted children really badly and I wanted to be around them and... So, you know, it was back to square one. I, you know, I need to do something that people are going to pay me for at home. And again, I thought, you know, sales and my ex and I had doubled in furniture. And so I thought, well, I can buy stuff in and sell it on. Job done. You know, and I'll give it a go. And I took my battered credit card and spent the last difference of, of, on the balance on a really tatty leaflet with unbelievably bad drawings of furniture that I'd never made in my life that I was going to get people to do. Seriously, this, I mean, it's such a mad story. And, uh, you know, uh, I've got it printed. And I, I went to Social Security and I said, you know, I have no money. You can either support me for the rest of my life or you can give me money while I try and get a business off the ground. And I'm sure you couldn't do it now, but, you know, pro probably so amazed by this fierce-looking woman walking up on their doorstep, they said, okay. 
<laughs> so I got um, income support. I didn't get doll, obviously, but I got income support. And there I was, income support, set up an office, shelf under the stairs at home with a phone fax because it was pre-computer day, and uh, card index box. And I bought yellow pages at the rate of one a week on my social check and started to build a business. Amazing. So how long was that business running for? Oh, wow. In total, in different sort of forms. Well, I suppose technically speaking, it's still running because the, the brand was sold and, uh, you know, not die on it. But I was involved with it for 20 odd years. Amazing. So from this dislike of employment, <laughs> to, <laughs> I don't want to be employed. I'm going to start my own business. And finding your feet with that, with a successful business that lasted kind of that 20 years. You also said that you had dabbled with starting a few businesses with friends. Was that prior to this? Yeah, that was prior to marriage, if you like. So it's at that sort of stage of young, young 20s, early 20s. Right. OK, cool. So when it comes to actually, I know that you disliked employment, but did you ever have the experience of working as an employee? Was that something that you did? Did you? And if you did, how did you move from that to go? you know what, this really isn't for me because you won't be the only person out there. Like, I know that there will be people out there listening to this going, I feel exactly the same. How do I make that step away and just go, sod it, I'm going to start my own business? <laughs> I think, you know, it was a question. If it seems, I mean, ignorance can be a real useful thing. And it seems so simple then because, you know, there wasn't quite such a, a mysterious thing about starting a business. In essence, starting a business meant selling something if I was out of work that day and trying to do that for a period of time, be it a month, two years, whatever. Yeah, I did. I mean, I did have jobs and they were usually sales related, which did stand me in, in enormously good stead. The whole way through having businesses later, the one thing I usually was seen to be quite good at was the sales and marketing side. And and I really put that down to those early experiences, you know. I mean, there, was, uh, there were various businesses that I had, but one was making sandwiches and flogging them around offices. You know, that is a really good experience, something like that, for sales, because you're going into an unknown place with people who may not want to be disturbed. You're going to get huge numbers of doors shut in your face. And, you know, but you're going to find out fast what opens them, what people are interested in and how to get them open. You know, very harsh. You know, it's it's the same as so many really successful entrepreneurs work on market store. You get to understand why people come to the store. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because I I suppose like I I do remember a time without the Internet. Like, I'm not quite of that generation where I have never lived my life without it. But what you were saying there that most entrepreneurs started from market stores in particular and doing those kind of odd jobs and things like that, I guess nowadays the equivalent of that is actually working online, setting up an online business that you can do virtually around the hours of everything else. So have you experienced a huge difference in the way you approach business now as opposed to back then because it may seem like an odd question because technology's advanced so rapidly over so many years but sales is always consistent the core of sales is always the same so do you do you feel that there's a big difference between then and now there's a huge difference I mean when I was learning sales I used to work for 
that's just like, well, actually varied, but I, I'd work for recruitment agencies or, you know, people selling products or whatever. But you were in as a telephone salesperson and you were given a list and no training and just told to ring these people up and solve things. I had a job like that when I was at uni. It was awful. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> and, you know, that, very little of that goes on anymore. People who want to build successful sales do their research. They know who they're going to talk to and why their product might be useful. That's one of that yucky sales. Sales tool has that image, but actually that sort of thing doesn't really go on to on anymore. And we're able to research the clients thanks to the internet. So, so yeah, I think that's huge. So you have much better success numbers. You know, it's a much more pleasant thing to do. Or you should, I mean, you, you know, because you've actually got the information you need and you're not going to try and sell to somebody who's got absolutely no interest in what you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like sales, I feel, I feel, I feel bad for sales because it does have a bad rap. But my approach, and, and it's something that I experienced when I started my business as well, was I never considered myself a salesperson. And I found it very difficult that I would have to try and sell myself and my services it's always challenging and I feel like with a product it's almost slightly easier because you have something that you can go hey buy this this thing that I can tactically show you whereas if you're doing something creative or something like um service-based it's kind of like here's my brain that I'm selling you like you can have access to my mind and the way that I think and how do you package that but once I learned, I worked with a sales coach, and once I learned that um, sales is just simply offering a solution to the people who may need it, that made the whole process just so much more enjoyable because it's like, oh, you have this thing that you need a solution for. Well, hey, I have that solution. Here it is. Do you want it? It's this much. And they either say yes or no. And you're like, cool. Either way, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you were saying that, you know, product and, you know, you have something to show them. Mm. when I started selling on the phone I didn't have a product oh, of course yeah and I really first started we'd never made any <laughs> the idea was was invented but even when we started making I still couldn't go out and see anybody because I didn't have money I couldn't possibly travel around Britain um showing smart examples of my work because I didn't have cash and you know I couldn't leave kids so had to somehow find a way of selling sufficiently well something tangible in the way of a product that people actually normally would want to see on a telephone. That's really interesting. It was so much more restrictive, wasn't it? Because at least now we can share visuals. Absolutely. Huh, I hadn't even considered that. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> so we've talked a bit around how your business has obviously developed over time. And I think technology would have a huge amount to play with that, as it always does. But when it comes to kind of the way that your business has developed, are there any key moments, any particular hardships or any particular successes that have really taken you by surprise along the way from starting to where you are now? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's so many. Um, as I say, I mean, you know, I don't, to my relief, because I in this day and age, I wouldn't want a business like that. I can't think of nothing worse than being in manufacturing with COVID. But there were, yeah, there were so many. I mean, I never expected it to take off in any way, shape or form. You know, and it became this roller coaster, partly because, as I was telling you earlier in the week, you know, this guy decided to retire. And so I had to buy out a manufacturing side. And 
And I ended up owning a unit or, or leasing a unit, shall I say, but long-term leasing a unit. Um, that meant more staff to pay. And the whole thing was this out-of-control roller coaster. And, you know, there were so many challenges along the way. But, you know, those early years were huge fun, as only a startup can be, you know, with enormous staff, and it was great. And it was when it went much bigger into the sort of 40s and 50s. Then you get a, 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 people working for you. Then you get a very different animal and get a lot of advisors who want you to formalize things which does make sense in the systems and everything else but a you need good management stuff which i never really find and also it loses some of the attraction a lot of entrepreneurs fall out of love with it at that stage because it's it's not a fun startup it was and equally they can lose their why i mean my why was very children orientated and by the later stages, my kids had left home and were, in certainly in one case, were earning considerably more than me. You know, so that was hardly the problem anymore, was putting food on the table for us. You know, so I was in, there was a bit of me that was going, why am I doing this too? It's making me really unhappy. I'm just terribly sensible. I must do it. You know, and that, of course, does not keep you going. Mm. Things that can come into play uh, along the way that changes matters. But the early stages of success, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. I remember winning my first award, you know, and and that was that was just nuts. You know, I went to the dinner just with my son at the time, and it was an IOD one. What's sorry? What's that? Uh, Institute of Directors. Okay. And I was uh, some, you know, where I was summoned to the dinner and. Have all these people read out that were, you know, up for awards. And the one I was I was up for was against a pair of entrepreneurs who were at Cambridge and making you doing extraordinary, clever scientific things. And I went to Jack, you know, I've got to get out of here. I'm such a fraud. You know, I, I shouldn't be here at all. You know, the, the old imposter syndrome. You know, how you know how on earth did we ever put in an application? You know, I was so panicked. And, you know, the whole idea of, of winning, and of course, I won the damn thing. Uh, and, you know, I, everybody was kicking me to get up on stage, and I tripped over the stairs going up to that stage. There was a woman holding, you know, the traditional sort of bunch of flowers, went flying past her and nearly landed in the lap of the woman holding the award. You know, I was just, it's completely beyond me, you know, that I could ever be that in theory you know. oh what an experience though and hey what a story to add that sounds exactly like what I would do um, just <laughs> yeah <laughs> um amazing so that's really interesting and then at what stage did you decide you know what I'm gonna write a book <laughs> well yeah true <laughs> well came later because you know uh, as I say the kids left home uh, you know, so I went on and on bashing the scale thing and thinking, you know, this isn't happening. I went, or, 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 you know, I'm going forward a bit, back a bit, forward a bit, back a bit. Took myself off to, and this is going back 10, 12 years now, to, to this course in London, started to learn and found that absolutely riveting. I developed a real passion for everything about entrepreneurship and scaling and the actual sort of academics of it and kept on going back and and trying to put into the company and you know it began a gradual realization that actually this probably wasn't the right company to scale and it would require a massive rebuild to to scale it and well scale you know really unpick back to from you know the 40 odd people to under 10 
to do it all over again, by which time I had absolutely no inclination to do that, if I was to be honest, because all the reasons I'd done it in the first place had gone out the window. So, so that left me in a real quandary for a while, and it just, both I and it became run down. I, I ended up with tremendous burnout, and I got an offer to somebody interested in buying a brand. And I'd had a lot of offers for business over the years, particularly in the recent years. And I, you know, toyed with them and then thought, no, it's my baby. And, and actually, I'll, I'll make a point about this in a second because it is relevant to people too. And it's a good lesson to learn. But, uh, you know, then it just came the day and I thought, hey, good money to walk away. I just cannot get out of bed anymore. I just can't do it. And so, you know, the deal was struck and that was the end of that. And the book came later. But, I, you know, just to stick on that, because I think that's a, a big, big and important point for your listeners. If you decide to go to scale route and you've planted it all out, like we were talking about on, earlier in the week, and you know, everything looks hunky-dory, have a big plan, because life does change. Somebody around you might go off a bit, might get ill, or you might, or whatever. You might want to get out, and you want to always be in a position to be able to do that. Because I know so many entrepreneurs who are utterly miserable but can't quite make the decision to get rid of their businesses because, you know, it's become this headache and it's always going to be better tomorrow, but it never is and all this. And, you know, you want and one of the things that stops them is because they don't know how to get out successfully and ways, but it requires going to learn them. So, you know, really, really important to have a B plan. Yeah, I think that that's brilliant advice. Absolutely brilliant advice. And it's something that I had never um, given much thought to until, uh, like many others, I'm sure, until the apocalypse hit and we were all like, oh, uh, so now this is a thing. But um, I think I'm currently reading uh, The E-Myth revisited yes. by Michael Gerber, Michael Gerber. and yeah. I'm finding that very interesting because there have been phases where looking back as well as like not that long ago but over the last 18 months I can look back and see the phases of my business where I felt happiest and where I felt the least happy and I can absolutely identify how I was working in my business and what stage like the concept that there are the three personalities the entrepreneur the manager and the technician and I can see when each of those was taking the lead. And I'm like, oh, I can see why I wasn't feeling happy with that. So having a plan B and being aware when your business starts to feel disconnected, both of those things can be really stress relieving. I think more than anything else, that everything you're putting your future and your hopes and your focus into for your success your personal success in a business context yeah I think that that's wonderful and I'm so glad that it worked out for you and it's interesting to hear someone's story around selling their business as well because that's something that I know a few entrepreneurs who are like yeah I'm going to build my business to sell it and I've met one or two who have been like oh someone approached me and I sold it but did you ever think at the beginning when you created your business that it would potentially be something that you would sell on and no longer be yours? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't have possibly foreseen it would be alive in five years' time, 10 years' time. And then later on, you know, the, as the children got to teenage, 
they were tended to be very involved in business day to day. Sammy sort of started thinking of it as a family business. And that's yet another interesting point, actually, because my well, my daughter dabbled in being in the business, but my son actually did come and work there for about five or six years. And that was trying to think what age it would have been, probably 17 to 23, something like that. Maybe 18 to 24, because he'd had a job for them. Anyway, I could see what was happening as time went by, and he hadn't had time to become his own person. It was, you know, he was doing very well on, you know, nine to five, but as a note was stopping him develop, he didn't, he needed to go and be him, you know, and to force him into being my successor was entirely the wrong thing to do. And I took, I took him out for a big drink at lunch one day, just on, you know, I stood up without any pre-planning. It had been coming for a long while, and I said, right, we're going to the pub. And um, bought him a drink and said, I'm kicking you out. And he was surprised, what do you mean? You know, I've got a job. And I said, I can't, you know, just go travelling. Go and do some, be you for a while. And if you want to come to them, that's great. You just say, I never did. But... <laughs> But yeah, it you know, it, it, I I tend to be against sort of forced succession businesses, uh, you know, because I don't think it's very healthy for the kids. But certainly, it was wrong for my family. So you know, that affected things, and and therefore I thought there was a long answer when there wasn't, and that's a, that's a good, not a good example of Plan B. But on the sales side, I had the first very first offer I had. I did all the right things, and I talked to people I trusted. And they finally put me in touch with somebody who, um, you know, yeah, they buy and sell businesses and do so quite sharply and everything else. But, you know, for all that, there's the sharp and there's respectable sharp, <laughs> if you like. And, uh, you know, we negotiated for a while and and actually say it ended up sort of one of the people involved, because it was a sort of quang go, were interested. And he said, why don't we do it together? Because I was pulling out and I hesitated again and I'd still pulled out and in fact he's in my book and I talk about that and a little bit of that was being scared and the imposter thing and thinking you know he knows all he you know about you know merging and growing companies and things I'm going to get skilled skinned alive and he's going to talk business you know I mean he, he talked about you know me flying out in Mallorca, where one of his houses are for our board meetings every month and things. So I'm just thinking, you know, what me? You know, I can't do this. I can't talk at this level. And it, it was pretty, I'd gone on that course. So I was a, a lot more ignorant than I was later on. But I just felt so out of my depth. And actually, I was a bloody, bloody idiot because that was a far better deal than I would have ever got offered later on or if I did ever, ever get offered later on. And when I walked away, I just, we ended up just busting the manufacturing side because nobody wanted the manufacturing side. And um, but just the brand got sold, um, you know, so it was a real mess up ended. And, you know, on the other hand, it was very successful for a long time. But, you know, again, if you're not thinking plan B, you don't learn about selling businesses unless you've gone into a progression where you're dealing with acquisitions. That's really interesting as well. And I know that this course that you've spoken about has been 
like a big guiding point for you as a business owner and I think that that kind of speaks volumes of the fact that and something that I fully believe in that you can never stop your education when it comes to being a business owner because you know what you're going to learn whether you like it or not you may as well try and get ahead of the game in whatever way that works for you but when it came to looking at your business and looking at your plan b usually I talk a lot around the branding and things like that but I kind of feel like that's less relevant I feel like your story around selling the business has been far more appropriate and interesting as opposed to talking about the branding for the business that that isn't kind of there at the moment so if you look looking back and I know that hindsight can be an absolute bitch but um if you weren't to take that deal and if you were to start again when you were scaling your business do you think that knowing with the knowledge that you have now do you think you still would have grown it the same way do you think that you still would have grown it to sell it or do you think that you would have grown it to um keep it I've grown it to sell it definitely interesting interesting because that wasn't any part of your plan originally I know no I know it's extraordinary I mean you know I it, well I'd never have thought I could build something sellable for a start mm. so that was one reason but yeah I mean I think personally I'm very very passionate about entrepreneurs not getting stuck. You know, I think it's very easy to stay with the same business and become a small business owner. It's not quite the same as being an entrepreneur. I think a true entrepreneur actually is best when they're coming up with great new ideas and developing great new things and, and a startup stage, which can run to, you know, quite a huge size. I mean, if you're, you've got a startup that's a unicorn, you're still talking about a massive you know, size business. But that crazy, crazy startup stage is what does it for a real entrepreneur and what they're so good at. And if, you know, we went around saying these amazing people, entrepreneurs, more often, people would, I think, be keener on being one in that sense, unless, well, not necessarily keen on turning that into a sensible small business, which they stayed in forever. And think of all the exciting new businesses we would have if we went around saying, you know, founders are fantastic people. And what they should be patted on the back for is, is finding businesses. Isn't it funny that if you start bunches of different businesses at the level of a small business, that it's considered can be perceived, I will caveat this heavily because I know that not everyone's going to feel this way, it can be perceived as you just not settling on something. But when it happens with the big wigs like Elon Musk and Richard Branson and all of the different things that they're trying all of the time, that's entrepreneurship. And I feel like maybe the difference is that entrepreneurs that are more in the smaller independent business space don't necessarily have the direction or the support or the knowledge of knowing how to start a business and then move away from it. I think that there's a lot of conversations and interest and and education around, oh, if you start a small business, here's how you stay in that small business, whether you make it bigger or smaller or keep it the same, whatever. That there's not a lot of information out there about, oh, you've started a small business. Here's an option of how you can sell it. So you can start another small business. And that's a really interesting thing that I hadn't thought of before. No, I think it's really important. I mean, it's part of your plan B because you might want to sell it. Yeah. Because of some drastic life change, you know, you don't want it anymore. 
you know, you don't really want to get in a situation of having to chuck it out the window. You far better that you sell it and get a nice little nest egg, thank you very much, and go on a six-month holiday. So, for you know, that's a, an important part of your plan B. That's really interesting. That's definitely given me an idea something that I'd like to explore in the future. Awesome. Right. We are pretty much out of time for today, unfortunately. I feel like we could dive into so much more of your business journey, but we'll we'll wrap it up here. So from everything that you've experienced, everything from your business journey and from being an author, as well as having and selling businesses, what would be the key piece of advice that you'd like to share with the listeners today? Do what suits you, not what you're told to do. I am 100% behind that. Definitely. Awesome. Cool. So where can the listeners find more of you online? If they would like to get in touch, uh, they can go to www.jancavell.co.uk. My email is on there and they are very welcome to shoot me an email with any questions they might have. Amazing. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It's been really interesting. And there's been a lot of topics that have come up that I've never considered before. So yeah, I really, I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Amazing. So listeners, we'll pop all of the links in the show notes for you, including the link to Jan's website and her book. So Scale for Success. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. So you can definitely check out all of those links in the show notes. And if you are enjoying this podcast, I ask that you tell one other person about the brand lounge. Maybe recommend them your favorite episode, maybe this episode, and encourage them to come over and give us a listen. It really does help the podcast to grow and it means that I can continue bringing you all these episodes and guests every week. And until next time, head over to our community on Instagram with the links in the show notes and we'll continue these conversations in the Brand Lounge.